editors and hosts of Fox That Talk, award-winning journalist Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. Welcome to it. Welcome to it. It is close to 10 o'clock. <laughs> close to 10 o'clock on a, sat- on a on a Saturday. On a Wednesday night, guys. So you guys know what time it is. It is time for Talk That Talk. I am your host, Terrell Chatterbox Emerson. And to my left is Mr. Sure Thing, Tyler Sure. We're going to get on you in a, in, a, in a short second. Celine, our Florida man fact checker behind the, 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 the camera as always. What's going on? I feel like this mic is super hot, super hot right now. Um, me and Celine was just being some, some music nerds behind the scenes just now. And uh, we were extremely excited about the announcement of the locks versus the dip or I should say dip set, or I should say the diplomats, whichever one you want to go with. I'm, I was just listening to Jimmy, so I'm going to probably go with the diplomats. But um, August 3rd, I think, is the day. So you guys already know. Um, shout out to the OD podcast. I'm not even going to bring up the next time we'll do an episode because I'll bring it up on the next time we do an episode. But again, Talk That Talk radio show records twice weekly from the beautiful Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. We're here right now inside the clubhouse. This was the largest Superbook in the world for over 50 years. This hotel was the largest in the world for nearly a decade. If you guys want to be a part of this energy, please come visit us at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Once again, that address is 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. We, we, we pride ourselves here at Talk That Talk Media um, on being very, very open just about everything and just kind of like all of – um, but I was always told I'll start I'll start here rather. I was always told that your radio show is where you give people a chance to kind of get to know you and get to know the person that you are. And I was just kind of commending Tyler behind the scenes just now before the show started because you went through something a couple of weeks ago. I don't know how deeply you want to delve into it, but um as I said before, when I seen the text that came from you, I never had a a denial that you would be here but to see you actually walk in like I said before that said a lot because not very many people can go through what you went through and even want to get back to it that soon so I want to commend you for that and I want to just give you the floor for a little bit thank you um yeah I won't go into too much um but yeah it just feels good to be back (laughs) uh some little scary after the last show uh getting home but uh yeah, man. Um, I'm good. I'm all good physically, mentally. Um, and yeah, just been kind of um, just kind of been <laughs> stuck to my home, stuck to my bed uh, for the last couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, no, man, it's um, I'm just glad to be healthy, glad to be alive. So yeah. most definitely, man. And we, we trust me, we appreciate that you're here as well. And I don't mean here for the radio show. I mean here physically and, and still in the physical with us. Um and yeah man like I said we we're not going to harp on it too much we're going to hop right into it. Thank My you. mom did send us a pretty dope tip in today. I like both of them so she doesn't really need to send me anything for Sunday, but I really like this one. There's a difference between being liked and being valued. A lot of people like you. Not many value you. I'm going to read that one more time. There's a difference between being liked and being valued. A lot of people like you, not many value you. So I like that one. I think that's a perfect way to start this. I think that's a perfect way to just kind of keep with the energy that we have going right now. Celine, I want to get right into it, dog, in terms of uh, some baseball talk. 
Let, let's hop yeah, right yeah, into yeah, it. Let's talk some baseball. Break right. Good stuff. Um, let's start with the home run derby because that's always fun, right? Yeah, you know, it, is it the same thing every year? Yes. Do we care? No. No. <laughs> I like watching it. <laughs> and speaking about it being the same every year, we literally had a repeat performance. But I want to go down the line because you know what's funny, Salim? We, we, we talk about it a lot, and, and Tyler, I should say, as well, because you know that I cover the Aviators. And in covering the Aviators, you learn how much baseball is valued here in the Valley. And you start to just kind of do some do some digging, and you start to kind of piece together things. As we go through this home run derby, I need you guys to realize that this is going to be – there's going to be a lot of Vegas tie-ins. So let's get right to it. The first one is Trey Mancini beating Matt Olsen 24-3. So the reason why I'm stopping there is for multiple reasons. Matt Olsen is an Oakland A. So congratulations to Matt Olsen. Um, not much you can do when, when Trey Mancini is swinging the bat the way that he is. If you know anything about Trey Mancini's story, was diagnosed with cancer last year. And I don't want to be wrong, Celine, you can triple check for me. I believe by October of 2020, he had completed chemo. In March of this year, he returned to the Baltimore Matt Orioles. Olson? No, excuse me, Trey Mancini. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, nah, no worries. Trey Mancini. So... Yeah, he finished it in uh, November. November. November of, of 2020. Returned to the Orioles in March of this year. February. Feb Salim, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love how I'm hovering around the facts, and he's like, nope, clean it up. Thank you. It, it's my way of getting out my frustration over what you said about Jay-Z and me not saying what I wanted to say. Damn. Here, I, we, here we go. <laughs> you guys missed it 30 seconds. Yeah, literally. And I gave him an opportunity to say whatever he had to say before the show started. It's not worth it. Let's just, let's just get on with and it. he didn't want to. So it's, just not, it's not worth it. It just is what it is. I guess some things you got to be there for, right? Eh. Um, anyway. And you can make it sound like I hate Jay behind this, and that's not true. But anyway. You can't, um, you can't call reasonable doubt bad music. I'm sorry. That's almost blasphemous. Like, How many records on there would you not change at all? I wouldn't change any of it. I love the album. Okay. Um, Trey Mancini <laughs> returned to the Baltimore Orioles in February of this year, and now competed in the, in the home run derby and had an and had an amazing performance. So we're gonna stay on Trey, on Trey Mancini in a second. But do you know that Matt Olson hit a 495 foot home run? Insane. We saw some absolute insane home runs. I mean, yeah. at the in the All Star game, in the home run derby. I mean, Otani, Young Vlad, Story. Yeah. yeah. Matt Olson. We're about to get into it right now. And it's funny that you said uh, Trevor Story because Trevor Story, that was, that 495 home run was the longest home run of the day. And it didn't last long. Because the hometown, here, one of the hometown heroes, Trevor Story hit a 518-foot bomb when he beat Joey Gallo 20-19. to 19. Guys, really quick, where's Joey Gallo from? Context clues. Las Vegas. There you go, Celine. <laughs> I love it. There you go, Celine. <laughs> so uh, Trevor Story beat Las Vegas native Joey Gallo 20 to 19. So that's two people with the tie-in 
to Vegas, right? Let's move on to the third one. Pete Alonso went absolutely bonkers in the first round and put up 35. And me and Salim, we talked about Salvador Perez and his, um, what's the word, his superstar power in this, in this event and how baseball fans, most of them, know and love Salvador Perez. If you're not a baseball fan, you probably don't know who Sal Perez is. He put up 28 in that first round. Can I just say, and it's been said a million times, and the Mike Trout thing has come up, baseball is so, so bad at marketing their players. I don't know if it's because they don't care. They have to care. It's your job to care, right? I was watching PTI today, unfortunately. No, I'm just kidding. I, I like PTI sometimes. And uh, Frank Izola, uh, who I normally don't agree with on much, he made a point, and he's like, these guys need to, like, be wearing their own jerseys and not, like, all-star team jerseys because a lot of people don't know who these guys are. We know who NBA players are. And it's through no fault of the, of the players themselves. I mean, like, guys like Ozzy Albi should be in commercials right now. Like... And not just local Atlanta TV. Like, I don't know, like, what baseball is waiting for, if they even care about being relevant. But, like, so many guys. Baseball is in such an amazing place right now with young talent. I, I Can uh, we try to take a stab in the dark real quick? When's the last time they had a superstar on, like, national commercials? I have an answer for you. I want to say I saw Tatis Jr. on a commercial. He's on it now. Ago. He's on it now. So, you're right. I guess you got the, the best Bryce answer. Harper? I don't remember seeing Bryce on any national ones. I remember seeing Giancarlo. Hmm. That must have been a while. And I hate (laughs) to say it, but wasn't Giancarlo's first, like, major, and I could be wrong, but national commercial, wasn't that after he took the fastball to the face? I don't even remember. I'm I'm sure he did do a big commercial, but I don't remember. I'm not doubting that he But I don't remember what it was either, but I think there was a national one. Bryce, d- baseball is maybe Bryce so does bad have one, but the fact that we have to think this hard is yeah. ridiculous. It's we could think about no, no disrespect. Never mind. Let's keep moving. Um, Pete Alonso has a Las Vegas tie-in. Do you guys know where the Las Vegas tie-in comes in? He's from Las Vegas. No sir. Oh. <laughs> but he plays for the. Okay, do you go to high school out here? No sir. He plays for the New York Mets. Oh, got it. Who was Las Vegas 51s? Absolutely. Uh, the major league affiliate of the Las Vegas 51s. Pete Alonso played here with the 51s. So that's uh, another Las Vegas tie in. And then all I have on this paper is Soto versus Shohei two times. I was nervous to see Shohei Otani get off to a slow start the way that he did, but Salim will get to, to the way that he feels about Juan Soto in just a brief moment. Uh, but Juan Soto bested him in the first round 31 to 28. After, uh, excuse me, after um, they initially tied and they had to do it, had to go to a tiebreaker. After that, let's go ahead and go to these last semifinal uh matchups as the all star game literally just came back on in the clubhouse. So, Trey Mancini beat Trevor Story 13 to 12, and Pete Alonso beat Juan Soto 16 to 15. The thing that I love about these home run derbies is that in most cases, you get one run. Finishes. It almost always happens that way. Um, 
And then lastly, another one-run finish. We have Pete Alonzo beating Trey Mancini 23-22 to to take home another home run derby. And the way that he was having fun with it, it doesn't seem like he's going to stop anytime soon. Um, Did they just change? See, okay. This is what's so interesting about the clubhouse. When you're watching, t- like, certain things on the television, when you turn and look, it wasn't just two of those up there, was it? I don't think it was. But, see, that's what happens when they control the uh, uh, the, the televisions from the control center back there because I definitely just saw these change. But speaking of baseball, we're going to stay on it, especially since we have it on the screen. Eight straight for the American League. It's another win for the American League, five to two. That means that the, this year's World Series will run through whichever American League team wins the pennant. As I told my dad, I texted him afterwards and said, nice doing business with you. A straight. This is the only <laughs> all-star game that matters. I the American like, League is to the MLB what the Western Conference is to the NBA. It just can, like comparison. it doesn't matter what happens. It's just going to be better. I don't know, like, death taxes <laughs> and the East Coast sucking. <laughs> it's just bound to happen. Like, even before the season, we're like, you know what? This is the year, actually, man, that the NBA is going to be, like, way better, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But I was going to say, this is the, I, I didn't actually know this until, like, two days ago that um, the MLB All-Star game determines who has home field advantage in the World Series. Yeah, I was like, dude, that's insane. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's cool. I like it. Don't ruin it. It's, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It just is what it is. Don't, oh, it's don't do your Florida thing. <laughs> I think, realistically, the ML, uh, the World Series should be played at a neutral location like the NFL. Mm. But, but it's seven games. If it goes seven games. It's a f- facts. So it's at least four games at a neutral site. I mean, like you're treating like the College World Series? Yeah, I mean, when you get to the World Series, that's just a personal belief I have. To the do you NBA, feel the same way with the NBA? In a way, yeah. I think so you like the bubble? No, I didn't like the bubble in general because it was, like, just weird and it was very restrictive. Because okay. obviously COVID, we understand right. that. But I like the NFL's idea of, like, a neutral location. Even though it's one game for the NFL, but, like, still. I don't know. I get it. Like, play every World Series in, like, Kansas City. And let me tell you something. <laughs> or Cleveland. And whichever team's fans travel to Cleveland, they deserve <laughs> home field advantage. Your te- your your fans showed up to Kansas City or Cleveland, they deserve but that. But you're shit. missing the fact that it's in October. So. So if you're in Cl- no, if you're in Cleveland in October, it's freezing, is it not? We just saw the almost at the, we just saw the Cleveland baseball team in the World Series. It rains a couple it, years ago, and it rained every game in Cleveland almost. It rains all the time in other places. What's the difference? You're gonna have to stop the game either way, <laughs> or maybe not stop the game depending on. Um, but we saw. I don't want to say another first, but we saw a, a rarity in the All-Star game on – why am I blanking? Yesterday, Tuesday. Two home runs were hit, if I recall correctly. Somebody want to correct me? I believe it was just two. Mike Zanino hit one after he um, came into the game as a replacement later on. But there was a towering one hit early in the game. And it was hit by Vlad Guerrero Jr. becoming the third – or actually solidifying the third father-son duo to homer in, all, in, a, in an all-star game. 
joining Bobby and Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr. and Sr., and now Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Sr. And now I want to play this thing. And, Salim, I guess this can kind of be a that's out there now. I'm going to play the entire clip because I think it's funny. And it's, it's, it's about a minute clip, but we're going to let it rock. Um, well, I was right there. <laughs> where, where are they at? <laughs> They're fifth in the NL Central. Where, how many wins do they have? 32, 33. Are they down? That's tough. Wait, I don't want to shortchange them. Let me let me check. I'm not argue with you there. Um, you want to do one more? Let, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. All star game MVP. I'll give you guys a date of this in a second. Sorry, thirty four wins. Thirty four. Sorry, Pittsburgh. So Salim's all star game MVP choice was Juan Soto. I wonder if I want to make an argument, and I just want to see if they can if if they can have. An all-star come off of that team. I want to say Nolan Arenado. Keep in mind, he was the only all-star from the St. Louis Cardinals. We can fact-check that, I think. I'm calling – actually, I feel like I say Nolan Arenado for a lot of stuff. I do think he's the best third baseman in baseball. So why don't I go ahead and say something different? I'm going to go Vlad Guerrero Jr. Take a lap. <laughs> I think I'm going to take a couple. Can you name another all-star over there? Because that was from our baseball preview show, which took place on March 31st. Somebody told me yesterday that we should start keeping track of the times that we're right. And I think I'm going to do that. The same way how Ernie has all of the predictions on post-its, <laughs> I think I'm going to have every prediction that we've had right and stick them here. I'm very serious. Tyler called L.A. getting bounced in the first round, and we laughed him out the room. We should have dated that. Anyway, um, well, I, I what mean, you got? I don't remember laughing him out of the room. <laughs> Who thought the Lakers were getting bounced in the first round when he said it originally? He's been on the Anthony Davis hate train. Now, you could say the reason why he said it is some BS, but he said it nonetheless. I mean, I'm going to give Tyler his props. <laughs> Absolutely. I think my, I'm, my more impressive call, though, was um, the Knights. Like, their first, like, two or three series, I was, I was dead on about that shit. I mean, that's what happens when you watch a team for so long. Like, you just you, you know what's going to happen. Uh, speaking of a team that I've, I've watched for quite some time, let's talk about the Las Vegas Aviators really quick. Salim, they went up north. And played that team in Reno. Played that Aces squad. Played that first place Aces squad. And took three of six. Not bad for a fourth place team in the Western Division, right? 500, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, we're, 500 is not going to cut it, but I mean, it's the, f- <laughs> it's the first I, I place team. I, yeah. What, I, you, no? I don't got nothing for you. Hey, if the three of us can combine our arms, do you think we could be like a solid pitcher? Just for the aviators. No, like I absolutely I don't know, believe, man. like <laughs> the three of us just somehow morphed to one arm. <laughs> I think but the power, sad. yeah, but the control—that's a different thing. Like, I mean, shit. Because some of the can, scores I'm seeing. From <laughs> <laughs> hey, relax. <laughs> I don't know if control is. Uh, <laughs> I, I know people. I would love to give them some analysis, but I don't have any. <laughs> I, I know people who think they could like 
play in the pros of like any sport and they'll say like yeah well baseball i could throw like 100 miles an hour and shit like that and i'm where like where would it go yeah you could probably like if you got enough like <laughs> momentum sure you'd probably like kill somebody in the yeah, third baseline maybe a couple people you you'd probably like end some lives i used to i used to cuss my tv out uh watching jose call the wrong play i'm like dude i can i can beat this guy in a one-on-one -on -one. <laughs> the most ignorant <laughs> the most ignorant thing i've ever said and i was just game. about to say i don't know how much you believe it now but that wouldn't have happened no at all uh now nah, jose calderon gets busy and salim i'm gonna give you this opportunity really quick you said that patty mills in fiba play is unbelievable do you want to talk about what you've seen from the first two or three games from patty but mills like, i wasn't even i would have been more surprised if he didn't play like that because it just there's just some things that are just going to happen in this world. And Patty Mill FIBA Patty Mills is going to go off, right? You might get married. <laughs> you might have some kids. You're going to go see your in-laws. You're going to listen to some music, go see some friends. Patty Mills is going to dominate FIBA ball, then go back to being Patty Mills in the NBA. <laughs> Which is an okay player, but... Not FIBA Patty Mills, though. Definitely not way, FIBA Patty Mills. By the way, we need to Mills. bring FIBA foul rules to the NBA. We're going to have an opportunity to talk about that in the second hour, and I think that that's been a, a widespread no, kind of reaction yeah. on Twitter and, and elsewhere as well. Um, first hour. So, actually, Celine, maybe I lied to you. Maybe I lied to Oh, actually, yeah, I think I did. Let's get right into it now. So we're getting pretty close to it because we're going to keep it in uh, terms of local news, and we're going to give you guys an update on the Aces because they're at the Olympic break. It's not just the Aces, but all of Las Vegas, uh, or excuse me, all of the WNBA are um, on a hiatus right now because it's the Olympic break, and the Aces currently heading to the break with a 15-6 record. They will be back in action on August 15th at home against the Washington Mystic. Um, this is the part where I said, Celine, we can slowly get into it. <clears throat> excuse me. Did you guys watch the WNBA All-Star game? I didn't get a chance to, no. Didn't watch it. So, the WNBA All-Star Game, I'm not sure if you guys knew about it, but uh, or exactly like how it was getting played this year, but it's Team USA against the, against the WNBA All-Stars. Okay, okay, I did see that, and I didn't really understand it to a good point. Okay. So, this is the... why I don't understand it? Yes. Okay. And are you ready for it now? Because I'm about to tell you about it, a yeah. little bit about it. So, <laughs> that's funny, first of all. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, what you got? You know, it is what it is. No, I'm going to tell you right now because I'm sure a lot of people were a little confused about it if they weren't uh, kind of following it, if they weren't up to date on it. Um, the WNBA All-Stars is exactly what they are. They're the All-Stars. They're All-Stars from the league, um, picked regular way that, that they are, are every year. American. Yes. Right. Well, not going to say, eh. I mean, over this 50, year, probably over 50 percent. I mean, yes. Then, yeah. I, then, yeah, we'll, so we'll, we'll go with that. You would assume that the best players in the WNBA, <coughs> the best American women playing in the WNBA would be on the Team USA women's team. Right. That's the vibe I'm kind of getting from all this. So, but I don't know how to tell him that he's wrong, but you're wrong in a way only because let's go ahead and give you Team USA. So. You would assume that you have Brittany Griner. You would assume that you have Sylvia Fowles. You would assume that you have the reigning MVP in Las Vegas Aces forward in Asia Wilson. 
you have Sue Burr, you have Diana Taurasi, you have Ariel Atkins. Uh, and now this is the part that I didn't want to do because I didn't name so many. I feel like I need to just name all 12 at this point. Uh, Brianna Stewart, of course. Um, who else am I missing? Who else am I missing? Who else am I missing? The logic Skyler Diggins-Smith. The logic does add up in terms of, like, you want the best players because you want to win games. Absolutely. If so the goal is to win the game. You would think. No, that's, you know. <laughs> well, Unless they're doing, like, a pre- like pro USA, bat- like remember when the college guys used to play in '88, Absolutely. and they were like, "No, nah, we're not doing this anymore. We're not <laughs> losing to like whoever." Like, but see, this is the thing too, and that's happening. the funny thing that it's funny that you say that because the idea of losing to just anybody, because as you just said before, Tyler was kind of interested in how it happens. This marks the WNBA All Star Game, so this is what it is for the WNBA All Stars. Now, for Team USA, this is your first exhibition game. So it's an all-star game that isn't really played like an all-star game. Okay, because everybody on the WNBA all-star side is saying we should have made Team USA. And the Team USA side is saying we can't take any losses. Hmm. Oh, okay, so that, that's so weird. And, you know, I was, I was seeing, like, the highlights on one of the big screens, and it looked pretty competitive for an all-star Very competitive. And I was about to say, we talk so much about all-star. We just talked about the, the uh, excuse me, the um, MLB all-star game. It's on right now as we speak. Sidebar two. We're watching Freddie Freeman's interview right now. They need to do that more often. Yeah. Well, and I know that they only playing. do it during ba- during the All-Star game for baseball. There's players that will do that. It's the same thing as miking up in yeah, the I don't NBA. just think Mike mic'd up, man. That was so much fun. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so where was that? Oh, so the All-Star game. Like he'd go across the middle like in the slot. And, like, uh, he would just get hit from the back or, like, stabbed, if you will, by, like, Ray Lewis and the rest of the Ravens' defense. What it was, was that like, again? Say the uh, say the verb, the verbiage. To stab. I, I want to hear it. I'm not doing that. Stab him. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Thank you for picking up on it. <laughs> when he said the rest of the Ravens' defense, I was like, eh. But I, I had to make it not so <clears throat> obvious. You know, doing this out there, just pissed right now. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> but <laughs> that's exactly what we saw with this one. And to be quite honest, oh, I guess I'll give you the, the, the WNBA uh, All Star team. I'll give you some of the names: Erica Agumbawale, Liz Cambage. Uh, where else am I going? Satu Sabali, uh, Sab- Sabali. Sabali, I believe. So before you continue, so, so I'm aware. So the WNBA All-Star team mm-hmm. was the best of the non-Team USA players? Yes. De'Erica Hamby made the team. Chelsea Gray is on Team USA. So it was basically like the B team of Team USA for the American Kind of. Player. Okay. If you look at it that way, kind of. They're still really it, good, but they're not. Right. Courtney Vandersloot made it. Candace Parker made it. Um, you, get, you, get, you get my drift here, so on and so forth. Um, Liz Cambage did not play. Obviously, the Australia team is being extremely protective of her heading into Tokyo. Uh, apparently, she bumped one of her teammates in, in practice, kind of hurt her hip, opted not to play tonight, kind of just for precautionary reasons. Didn't matter. Her team ended up winning 98, or excuse me, 93 to 85, which means Team USA lost. Um, Erica Agumawale named the MVP. 
it, it, it's Celine, we talked about it too, and I don't I didn't want to go back and find the date on this one. But we talked about Erica Agumbawale earlier in the year, probably I think for the WNBA preview. And we mentioned as soon I think as soon as you mentioned her name, I said leading scorer in the league last year. It's always interesting when you watch an all-star game of any sort and you could tell, oh, that person's going for the MVP. Everybody else move. Like, we already know what's happening right now. And that's exactly what we saw. It seemed like they were, uh, according to the announcers, it seemed like it may have been some either deliberation or accounting of the votes afterwards. I think everybody in the, in the building knew where uh, the MVP trophy was going. It was going to Erica Gumbawale. But – the All-Star Game did take place at the Michelob Ultra Arena, right up the street from us here at the Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Again, um, as actually, and we're looking at it right now, Wale was the second Dallas winning player to ever win an All-Star Game MVP. Cheryl Ford also won it. <coughs> Excuse me. So the three-point contest also took place at halftime. Guys. Four participants, and three of the four women scored at least 26 points. Celine, what if I told you that one of the finalists, because two people had 27, and those are the two that went to the finals. Right. One was Allie Quigley, who was back-to-back three-point champion. And Celine, what if I told you that the third, or the second one was John Quill Jones? 6-6 MVP candidate. Who was playing in the All-Star game, by the way. <clears throat> it's You know what? Although it's weird, it is a pretty interesting format. And actually, I kind of wish the NBA would do that. Because it'd be really interesting. Especially because of the fact that the NBA, I would say, has even higher foreign talent than the W. I mean... At least from what I can see. In terms of high level. You know what's interesting? And it's funny that you say that, but I was just thinking about it earlier. I was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, for whatever reason, I guess this is how I learn rosters. But I was making the Olympic rosters and FIBA rosters on 2K just so, I can get fam- just so I can get familiar with it. And I laugh every time I see Furkan Korkmaz. Because he's a hooper. Like, if you watch him play... He's nasty. And it's like if he ever truthfully got a shot in Philadelphia without injuries or they shipped him to, I don't know, OKC, he would be a star. And I stand by that. But anyway. There's so many guys in the NBA who are, like, just riding the bench right now for politics. Not necessarily, like, locker room stuff like that, but just, like, we have this guy. Contracts. We spent – so this much million on this guy, we can't put him on the bench. We're just it, – it just is what it is. There's right. very few coaches that are willing to do that because, I mean, it makes the front office look bad. And when you make the front office look bad, you're going to get fired because now you're playing with somebody else's uh, job. You can just say Stan Van Gundy and Eric Bledsoe. It's, you could just say Ooh, I wasn't even – but, yeah, that's true. We're going to do that in a second. That, yeah. Not talk about Eric Bledsoe, but maybe Stan Van Gundy. And I think you're going to go off in this last hour. I do. I'm happy that for this first hour, for whatever it's worth, I'm kind of just giving you guys the news. It's not really you guys pushing back yet, but this second hour is going to go haywire. I know it is because we're going to talk about coaching, and this is going to be 
hilarious is what I'm going to deem it as. But um, we're almost into the first or almost into the second 30 minutes of this first hour. Allie Quigley in buzzer beating fashion, <clears throat> excuse me, being a defending champ, captured her third straight three point championship. She said following in her uh, is that still a post game? It's a post contest. Post-contest interview? I'm going to say post-contest. Post-contest interview. Uh, she said that she told herself prior to that this would be the last one that she competed in. She's not doing any more. Uh, the entire Michelob Ultra Arena and namely the WNBA players all disagree with that. We'll see if, he co- we'll see if she comes back a fourth time next year and, and defend her crown. Yeah. I'm coming back for a fourth one. I don't know about her. <laughs> You're going to have to take this one from me. It's not like it's Duncan. And I have to, you know what I mean? We, we know how the, how, the, uh, how the NBA is, rather. Once a player gets to a certain year, nine times out of ten, we, we write it off. Okay, we're not going to see them in a dunk contest. Three-point shooting? I don't care what league I'm in. I can do this until I'm out of here. <laughs> I can shoot this. So, Allie Quigley, please come back and compete in the fourth. Uh, compete for a fourth uh, straight, I should say, three-point championship. Speaking of that, now we can get into it, Salim. Now we can get into the fun part because now this last hour and a half of this show is mainly basketball. So we can take our time with this. We can kind of slow ourselves down with this a little bit. Uh, <laughs> You're saying we can't just jump in and just start bashing the Lakers. That's because <laughs> that's why every time it comes to basketball, I'll be like, let's slow walk the dog. I'm trying to figure out how I want to tackle this first 30 minutes, but I think I'm going to tackle it this way. We just talked about the women's national team and them opening up exhibition play. The men's national team had a rough go at things the first two games. By the way, let the record show, everybody, I was rooting so hard for Nigeria. I don't know if I can say that I'm rooting for anybody as I'm covering Team USA, but what I will say, and Coach Pop, you can kind of tell in the post game as well by it being an exhibition game, he gave so much credit to Nigeria that I think, as you said before, if nothing else, if rooting isn't the right word, there was an extreme sense of pride in just watching a team. How many times do we talk about getting it out the mud, quote-unquote? That's a team that if you look at their individual stories, as I'm sure you could with a lot of different places, but we're talking about Nigeria now, it's impossible not to want to root for that team. Look, obviously different circumstances, different teams. In 2012 in the Olympics, Team USA beat Nigeria by 83 points. Not they scored 80. No, they beat them by 83 points. 156 to 73. Let the record show. Um, They lost by three to Nigeria. And then they lose. I don't even remember what the final score was in the last game. Let's say they lose by six. I believe it was six. Yeah, like six or eight or something. Yeah, so I would say between six and eight to Australia. And I'm guessing that you're going to probably lean toward the Joe Ingles effect. Nah, I don't like Joe Ingles. I I mean, he's – I don't like – yeah, I don't like talking about Joe Ingles. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh Not wanting to talk about Joe Ingles is hilarious Why? He's annoying Like he's a, he's a good player He just He's one of those guys where you, If you play against Like You know one of the guys Where you love to have him on your team 
And I, I was just about to ask, would you take him in, in New Orleans right now? Absolutely, but <laughs> you just playing against him and like the gimmicks and the shit he gets away with on the court. Just, yeah. It's Aussie basketball. Let him get away with it. Um, they got away with a win against Team USA, and here, here's the deal, guys. We we've talked a lot about just uh, Team USA basketball and some of the numbers and how dominant this team has been. Um. 54 and 2. 54 and 2. In exhibitions, yeah. Was the team's record in exhibitions prior to the start of this season. This exhibition season. Exhibition stretch, I should say. Two back-to-back losses is already unheard of for USA basketball. <clears throat> Excuse me. It seems unheard of, I'll say. However, we saw it. In 2019, it wasn't in an exhibition game. But, Salim, you could triple check this for me in a FIBA World Cup, but I'm pretty sure France beat the U.S., and then they lost to Serbia. And if it wasn't France and Serbia, it was vice versa. It was Serbia and then You're saying France. this is in 2000 what? 19, the FIBA World Cup in 2019. The last two uh, losses for Team USA, the only two losses. Let uh, me look right now. No worries. And... Of course, we know about Jason Tatum's injury at that time and the reason why he was away from the team. But at this point now, I feel like we have to ask this question. Was I right? Uh, let's see. France beat the U.S. And then, and then the U.S. lost to uh, Serbia in the classification semifinals. And then they beat Poland. Um, yeah, they – uh, Harrison Barnes led the team in scoring with 22 points. Okay. Thank you. So, looking time. at – what you say? What? I missed it. Looking at Team USA and just the history of it, um, I'm wondering how much would everybody that's been talking – Damian Lillard said it, Brad, uh, Bradley Bill said it, um, Coach Pop continues to say it. All of these other teams, we talked about Nigeria. They've been together for, I believe, five weeks now, five or six weeks. Team USA oftentimes has players come into camp different times, things of that nature. Salim, you just went back and talked about 2012. I know we had some early – That team was crazy. Yeah. I know we had some early commitments to that team as well, but – is this just going to have to get back to a point to where the best players in the league commit to the Olympics right away, essentially, and kind of show up right away, attend right away? And what I mean by that is in 2012, if I think I recall then, maybe 2008, I believe it was 2008, when everybody at that time, whether it was Chris Bosh, it was LeBron, it was Kobe, every Melo, everybody let it be known kind of early. Well, We're after coming 2004, for Absolutely. They had no choice. Yeah. But it's a difference Carlos in Arroyo terms of gave Team USA buckets, the Puerto Rican king himself. <laughs> sorry. What do what are you sorry for? It's I went a off fact. a tangent. I it's still want to know what you said about Harrison Barnes. <laughs> no, look, the I, reason I, I, I laughed was, yeah. The reason I laughed is not cuz Harrison Barnes is like a bad basketball player. He's a solid player. It's just fair. funny like saying and Harrison Barnes Barnes leads Team USA in scoring. (laughs) 
Like, it's a funny sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, but for what it's worth, man, and this is what's so funny because I do tell people this. Salim, you can triple check it for me. Miles Turner was on that team, too. Absolutely. You can triple check it for me. <laughs> um, but Harrison Barnes has won in high school. He was coached by Roy Williams. I don't know if he won in college. And then he came to Golden State and won right away. I think Harrison Barnes won in college as well. Harrison Barnes may be one of, I believe, a very select few players that has a high school state championship, a college national championship, an NBA championship, and an Olympic gold medal. Hmm. Just a random fact. Because I remember covering him in 2019 and being kind of stunned by that fact. Like, you've kind of won everywhere. Um... But they att- they, but Team USA appeared to write the <laughs> ship. Uh-oh, you good? I just, like, itching. I don't know. You, you want to go get some water? I was going to say, yeah. if you need to run out, go ahead. Yeah. Um, you just try to. F- I was going to say, I do got my bottle, but let me know. But um, Team USA appeared to, had, to have had right at the ship with a 108-80 to 80 win against Argentina. Did you, watch that? Did you watch that game? No. I know you've been working like crazy. But. I thought Luis Scola played, right? That was yes, that was against uh, Argentina. So I mean, well, yes, we're talking about Argentina. I was thinking about Australia for whatever reason. So yes, Luis Scola is still playing. Um, interesting story. They talked about Luis Scola on NBCSN, and shout out to Zora Stevenson. And the announcers were actually speaking about it was Carol Lawson, and I don't remember the other gentleman's name. And they were basically speaking about. Luis Scola, and I believe he's 41 now, and they were asking if this was his last Olympic Olympic Games, and uh, I believe he said that it was. He said that he was uh, – I don't believe he committed to it, but he said that he believed that it was. Um, makes more sense. He kind of wants to make way for the next generation, but he said that he wants to stay around basketball. He said not necessarily in terms of coaching, but he does want to mentor young players. And I'm happy we just had that conversation about Harrison Barnes because we see it a lot of times in the Olympic Games. I went back and watched the game two nights ago from the 2019 FIBA World Cup, and it was Brazil against Greece. And, of course, the international game, they always say it's more physical. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to me to see Giannis – go straight to the block and post up. Because you expect an international play, okay, Giannis is going to absolutely absolutely obliterate anybody that's in front of him. And these are, this is why I think when Coach Pop kind of seems irritated with the media, especially has been with Team USA recently, because it seems like there's a lot of disrespect going on with other nations. And I kind of get his point, because when I was watching that Brazil versus Greece game two years ago, I'm watching 38 or 39-year-old Anderson Verajal body up Giannis Antetokounmpo, who was coming off of an MVP, MVP season. It's a different game. Mm-hmm. Totally different game. Keep in mind, the key thing that's in my head is not the name of Anderson Verajal. I said 38 or 39. I don't even know how old he is. Have you guys seen uh, 2021 Luis Scola? Yeah, that's what we just talked about. <laughs> he looks like evil Ben no good Ben Affleck 
that's actually kind of funny. That's actually kind of funny. But ironically enough, we were just talking about Luis Scola because we were talking coming off the Harrison Barnes conversation, and he said he wanted to get to a point where he's um, he doesn't necessarily know if he wants to coach per se, but he did say he wants to stay around basketball when it's all said and done. Uh, mentoring young players was one of the things that I mentioned or that, that he mentioned. Me and, or me and Tyler were just kind of opening up the conversation and dialogue. If that's one of those players that will eventually be like a mentor mm-hmm. to the next generation. We're looking at Mark Bryant right now. And when I seen Kendrick Perkins tweet about Mark Bryant and tweet about the names who he's essentially helped mold into the players that they are today, I was sitting there and I was looking at Mark and I was like, why am I thinking Portland? And then I did my Googles. And I said, that's why I'm thinking Portland. Mark Bryant played in Portland. Not a name that you would think about nine times out of ten if you're even if you're a basketball peer, but I seen the face and was like, I know him from somewhere. So it wouldn't surprise me. That Luis Scola wants to still live, like most players do, want to still live around basketball. We know a lot of talent that is that's coming from overseas. We've seen some of the best players coming from from uh, Argentina specifically. All I'm gonna say is I don't think this is the last time that we've heard about Luis Scola, and I don't mean this Tokyo run. And he's played with a lot of like big personalities too across you know the NBA and probably um you know international play as well um like those Houston Rockets teams in the late twi- 2000s like i mean they were le- le- a legit good team definitely i saw some Houston fans saying if T-Mac and Yao didn't get hurt they would have won the championship in 2009 yeah 2009 yeah Carl Landry had a playoff run <laughs> like Carl Landry had a playoff and that, run those Rockets teams were pretty damn fun yeah yeah, true. That's an all-time great series. That that Rockets Lakers series with Shane Battier and Kobe going going at it. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Kobe, and we already talked about Luis Scola. Do you guys want to talk about it really quick? Especially since we're talking about Team USA and Argentina. Um, I don't know if you guys watched it, but of course, when Team USA was uh kind of getting ready for camp, video kind of started to recirculate, and it was obviously Kobe and and Luis Scola getting into it. When LeBron had to step in when they were on the free throw line, and he was like, calm down, Cole. Calm down, Cole. Keep it ball. I got it. Do you guys remember what was kind of being said? So Louis, so Kobe was trash talking, and this is what's so interesting to me. I told my dad certain things you can't even say, and I would love to hear Luis Scola tell this story because Luis Scola said, say it in English. You do that better. Hmm. And Kobe said, I'm going to show you what language I'm going to speak. And Kobe stopped talking. <laughs> That's got to be scary. I don't know if there's <laughs> anything more scary than that. He said, I'm going to show you what language I'm going to speak and stop talking. Now, this is what I told my dad. If I recall correctly, whoever uh, shot the free throw made it. Kobe picked up his man in the half court or in the back court. Excuse me. I told my dad. The moment I get back to that huddle, I'm looking at Luis Scola. Stop talking to him because I have to deal with him. That's right. 
And I believe it took maybe maybe two or three, maybe a handful of transitions back and down, back and forth down the court. That was that infamous three that Kobe hit, and he was hit by Andres Nocioni, and he put the finger over the lips. Now it starts to make sense in terms of why he did that. I just never, I would have never wanted to be in a situation where Kobe looks at me and says, I'm going to show you what language I'm going to speak. And he stops talking. Coming from a man who knew how many languages? I'm not even sure if that's fair. But uh, 108 to 80 over Argentina. Looks like the team is getting more comfortable on offense. Jason Tatum talked about it after their initial game against Nigeria, saying that everybody knows how to play basketball. Um, he felt like they reverted to isolation uh, basketball at times. But a lot of it, Dane kind of alluded to, guys are trying to stay out of guys' way. And a lot of these guys haven't even played together on an all-star team before. So – a lot of these players are kind of giving the ball to KD or Bradley Bill or Dame Lillard, and they're moving out of the way. Now, what you got for me? No, I was gonna say like, in, uh, there's no real traditional point guard on the roster. I mean, Lillard's a point guard, but you know, but he's not your like traditional. He's more of like the 2020s, you know, point guard where it's score first kind of guard. Now, I guess Draymond. He's not a point guard, but he's he's a good he's a playmaker, right? The two but best passers on the team are Draymond and Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo, thank you. So yeah, I mean, like they need like I don't know someone. I'm not saying Rajon Rondo himself, but someone like that, right? Like a Chris Paul kind of someone that can slow shit down and be like, all right, we need to get movement, not just the, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets style of offense. Yo, cook his ass. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think that? Drew Holiday helps? I think with the defense, for sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the first two games, I mean, I'm sure you guys watched them or at least saw after. Like, the defense was a big problem. Dude, imagine Drew, like, with FIBA rules on defense. Oh, my God. I was Drew's going to lock up whoever he <laughs> I was will. thinking about that and, like, a couple guys. Like, if Matisse Thybul. Yeah. And it just – when watching FIBA, the only thing I think about, or one of the main things – I hate so much how the NBA is officiated. Matisse Thibel what? Because you know you get your opportunity to watch Matisse Thibel, right? He's not American. No, I know. Oh, okay. I have you? No, have you no. seen him in international play? No, no. I meant if they had that in the NBA. Oh, okay, okay. Because okay. that's what I was saying. Because we're gonna we're getting the opportunity. I'm excited to see Drew, but we're gonna get the opportunity again to see Matisse Thibel in this type of environment. Oh, absolutely. And regardless of age, like you said, you get to be physical on defense. Matisse Thibel fits right in looks I, like he's been playing an international game for 10 plus years i just i hate so much how the nba is officiated there's so many calls like where i'm just watching and it's like it's not even okay the main things everybody thinks about are the leaning in the, the pump fake and the lean in which yeah it can get annoying the main thing for me is when a guy goes to the rim he's driving and he'll lean into the guy's chest he'll create the contact and then get like that never made any sense to me. That should not be a foul on the off, like on the defender. That always pissed me off. Like, <laughs> what what is the defender supposed to do in that situation? If you can't tell me that, then it's not a foul. Tyler, did you watch these games? The Team USA or the final? Team USA. Um, I watched the little clips here and there. I didn't see the you didn't see game. all the game. Okay, so. But I, like I saw the physicality of it and how. No, no, no. I don't. Uh, you know, you know basketball, so I don't have to worry about that. 
that Draymond thing was interesting because the reason why I say that is because we we talk a lot about um, roles on Team USA on just na- international teams in general, and I, I watched Jeremy Grant, right, and. I think he's going to be so valuable for this team because I think he's going to get a lot of energy points because I think a lot of people are going to, well, not that he would, not that they would be wrong, but he would be on the court for defensive reasons. Leave him open in the corner and that's a knockdown three. It's a shorter three point line in, in FIBA play. Um, we already know about the way that he crashes the offensive glass. So put back dunks whether it's free throws, whatever the case may be, I anticipate Jeremy Grant to, to play a big role a la Tayshaun Prince, maybe a little more offense than Tayshaun Prince. Um, however, Tyler just touched on the, the most important point, and we're going to close this first hour with this one. Coach keeps saying that these starting lineups don't matter. The only thing that's been consistent in the starting lineups is Kevin Durant, Bradley Bill and Damian Lillard. Now, Jason Tatum has started a game. Bam Adebayo has started a game. Zach Levine has started a game. Draymond Green has started a game. Jeremy Grant has started a game. And it's interesting that you say that because a question, Coach Pop was asked a question about the passing from the bigs, and he mentioned Bam Adebayo. He mentioned Draymond. And for me, it clicked in the third game, and I don't know what's going on for Coach Pop. But I think Draymond Green solidified his spot in the starting lineup after this third game. And I get it. It's it's their best game against Argentina. However, for the reason that Tyler just said, that's going to be your point guard. At least until Drew gets there, because I forgot until you said it that Drew was on the team. I I knew he made it originally. I just forgot. And even the thing with that, Drew is – we don't know how long this NBA Finals is going. It's going at least six games. So – yeah, especially it's not like tonight. he needs to get his legs under him. And plus, they're gonna—he's probably—they're gonna want like a break or two. Like especially That's like, what if I was Milwaukee wins, they're gonna want like the they're gonna—they're gonna want to do the parade and you know the big downtown parade. Same with Devin Booker. So no matter what, the combination like these guys aren't. Or wait, is it Booker or Chris Paul who made it? It's Booker. It's Booker. Okay. The first game. I like, hate to say it, but I think either team that wins, they're not gonna do the parade. Until the Olympian comes back. That's my personal guess. Mm. If we just we just had a COVID season where people couldn't have parades anyway, I think that whatever city is going to be like, we're waiting until our Olympian comes back. Okay. Or Olympians, if it's Milwaukee. Um, I thought I brought my dog for some reason. It's um, uh, I think the first Team USA game is, I think, the 25th. Yes, sir. Then the 28th. Yes, sir. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but... I don't think – I think Team USA should win this tournament, like, especially after they're going to be together. Like, yeah, I, g- I get the fact that there's flaws, I guess you could say, with the team. They're still so much more talented than any other – like, it's not even remotely close. Mm. So, they should win. Will they? That remains to be seen. Let's That's go, Nigeria. Um Real quick, I just love the overreactions after they lost the first two games. Like, people saying, like, yep, Durant can't lead the fucking team. <laughs> like, just little things like, like you know, just, like, stupid well, Twitter comments. Social media is going to be social media, oh, of dude, course. It's I do think gold. it was funny, though, that when they brought up Kevin Durant, um, <laughs> I do think that the, the 
quote that I or the meme that I saw was so interesting. It was a picture of LeBron laughing on the bench in his suit, and it said, "In Katie's first year, in being the best player on the planet, he couldn't get out of the East bracket, and he lost to Nigeria." And it was LeBron laughing, and I just thought it was so funny because I was just like, "It's sports are it's always gonna happen." Sports, but like, especially on Twitter and stuff like that, like. Honestly, you just got to, like, not take too much of it too seriously. Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. Like, guys will just, like, troll and just say the most ridiculous things. <laughs> like, just after one or two bad games, they'll start, like, calling people. Like, like they called the uh, – Carl Anthony Town- Towns had, like, a bad three-game stretch, and they started calling him Dominican Ines Cantor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And – like you Ines Cantor plays better when people trashes him. By the way, like you can't take it too seriously. Not enough. The funny thing is, let's uh, we can end it with this one. Josiah Johnson is really helping out with that. I think a lot too because, it, as I said before, you do have players that take themselves too serious sometimes. But it is our job to, and this is what I cannot find. Like, and I'm not hating by no means on Josiah. I just gave him some credit, but I do find it interesting that if a joke is made on a platform like this or on a television show or whatever the case may be, athletes are so sensitive about it. But when it's on Twitter and it's on the timeline, it's maybe it's taking a little, taking a little differently. I'm sure Josiah had ran into issues where he's joked about certain athletes and they felt the way. But I do think, like I said before, Josiah Johnson is changing that because he's getting a lot of media opportunities as well. So we'll see what he turns that into. Money will make a lot of people change their tune. Trust me when I tell you. Uh, hour number two, we're going to come back. We're going to wrap up with Team USA, and then we're going to get into some more NBA talk, some coaches, and the NBA finals. Stay with us, guys. Talk That Talk radio show records twice weekly. Excuse me. From the beautiful Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. From the largest tour book in the world for over 50 years, this hotel was the largest ho- hotel in the world for nearly a decade. If you guys want to be a part of this energy, you guys can come visit us at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Once again, if you guys want to come see us and fraternize with us, you guys can come be a part of the energy at 3000 Paradise Road, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89109. Okay, cool. And my dad just sent me a sip in, so I know what that's about. We'll end with that. Um, And I kind of figured that was coming. Excuse me. So, to get back into Team USA talk, Salim, random thought, born on the 4th of July. I have to tell you that so you can go home and remember to look for it. Um, um, dude, I have, like, so many books that I, I need to read. It's bad. That's, it's, it's in that stack of books somewhere over there. So, I have, make sure you read that, please. I mean, you know me. I, I don't do I don't much i just like to read and chill at home it, it, it yeah i'm telling you it'll creep up on you you're gonna read it and you're gonna be like this was this shouldn't have sat here for that long um but getting back into team usa really quick it seems like draymond green and bam at kind of you know what i have seen too bradley bill has he he mentioned beforehand that he told coach pop and the coaching staff that he wants to make his emphasis on defense He's not worried about being one of the main scorers for the team. He wants to show that he can be a defensive stopper. Hmm. I've seen that. 
from him in the first three games. I've seen the energy from him on defense that um, it's kind of leveled up a little bit. I'm not trying to sound ignorant, but I really wonder how much of that is from having, like, Russell Westbrook on his team. Why would you sound ignorant? Just because I think Bill's always, you know, been a great player, but I think Bill, like, I think playing with Westbrook, especially this year when Westbrook kind of took the role of, like, coach slash leader slash point guard slash <laughs> I'm, I'm going <laughs> to fucking, like, triple, like, I'm going to get you an open fucking look, like, you make the most of it type of, you know. I think him playing with, like, Russ after basically where – after Wall went down with the Achilles and so Beal was having to do everything right. just for the Wizards to even, like, have a chance, right? So I think now Beal is kind of just evolving and we're seeing, like, a more veteran side of him and we're seeing that leadership kind of be shared with uh, – that Russ has with Beal, right? Hmm. So, um, yeah, man. So that's cool that uh, Bradley Beal is stepping up on the defensive end because I know that's one of the big gripes with him. It's not even that he can't be a good defender. It's just like the effort, right? So yeah. the fact that now he's like so willing to do it. And I'm sure, yeah, being on Team USA and being around other extremely talented basketball players has something to do with it. But I think there's a part of it that also has to do with like Russ, right? So and that's what I was just about to say too. I think a lot of it is Bradley Beal um, – People talk about it a lot with, with LeBron, but when you know you have to do so much offensively, fam, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not doing this as well. So, I do wonder, like you said, how much of it, it kind of that is. But Bradley Bill has also spoken about Russell Westbrook, and even in one season, he said that's the best teammate he's ever had. Mm-hmm. So... I think it means something. Like, I think that he would say that he got something from Russ. Whatever it is, he got something from him, I would say. Um, Bradley Bill is currently, we had some some news break about him today. And um, not good news, but something that we kind of expected in this time. Bradley Bill is currently in COVID health protocol right now, safety uh, and protocol. What is it? Is it health and safety protocol? That's what it is. Mm-hmm. COVID health and safety protocol. Um, here in Vegas, as I said before, I don't know exactly what that means. So, obviously, it's I, I would assume that there's been a non-negative test is what I'm going to say. I don't know if it's positive or maybe it's inconclusive, but there's been something that has forced called uh, Bradley Bill into health protocol um, procedures. And I'm going to be honest with you. This year's team, or however you guys want to classify it, this four-year Olympic team, this team can't afford those at any level. I don't give a damn if it's Kevin Love. And people think that we don't need him. We can if we need everybody that we're gonna have on that roster. I don't know the last time that we played an Olympic roster with almost uh, Kevin Durant. Will probably have three or four minutes more than everybody else, I would assume. But pretty much across the board, equal playing time. 
And I think that we're going to get pretty close to that. I mean, for whatever it's worth, we, we mentioned a lot of these old uh, teams, 2008, 2012. No disrespect to these players because they're Olympians, but there's always a Michael Red. There's always a Tayshawn Prince who's on the roster that we realize you're probably only going to come in in the fourth quarter if we're up by 30. and Or circumstantial. So I, I wonder, as I said before, who that's going to be for this team. But it's seeming like it's going to be a different person every single night. Um, you guys want to talk about something else that's Team USA basketball relate or Team USA related, but it's not on the men's side. Some other news broke right after that, or I should say right before that. And if we can, I would like to give like 15 minutes to this topic. Did you guys hear about Neko Ogumake? Interesting. So Neko Ogumake. We all know she didn't make the Team USA roster. Me and uh, – actually, I remember when Tyler was on the show and we spoke about um, who probably on the roster shouldn't have made it if NECA was to be given a spot. And that's even like a crazy statement to say. But anyway, um, everybody mentioned that NECA Ogumake – has dual citizenship here in the U.S. and in Nigeria. Everybody went to Twitter to say how much she deserved a spot. I believe Candace Parker said that she's the only former WNBA MVP that hasn't been on an Olympic roster. And then today happened. In addition to Candace Parker saying what she said about um, Neko Ogumake, most of Twitter's kind of in unison said that, excuse me, that Nigeria would have took her. Nigeria most definitely would have took her. So Neko Ogumake tried to play for Nigeria. She put in a petition. That petition was denied by FIBA, citing that she's had significant intel with Team USA for the last 10 years. <laughs> to that you say what, guy? This just seems so unnecessary. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, what's she going to tell them? Hey, guys, uh, Team USA, they're pretty, uh, yeah, they're they're pretty, good. pretty good at they basketball. Some, got some good players. Got some good Watch players. <laughs> some, uh, they intel. got some solid... Uh, Solid guys, solid women. Now I'm I'm so used to saying guys in basketball. So well, I mean, you know, that was my bad. But actually, you know what? Anybody can be a guy. That's what I was about to say. We same thing we say with bro, dog. Like this, she's a dog. Hey, what's like, up, guys? But they could be. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, and for me, here's the deal. And I don't even know how to say this because I. You guys don't have anything else to say? I have a take, but I'm kind of formulating how I want to say it because it is kind of a. So while you formulate yours, I guess I'm going to spit mine out. And I was trying to formulate mine, and this is where I get in trouble, but whatever. Um, You guys are going to be mad, but I kind of get it. Kind of get it. She holds dual citizenship, yes. Now, and this is where I will admit my ignorance. 
if she hasn't made an Olympic roster, how much significant information can she know? That's my first question. However, based on Candace Parker's tweet of a former uh, WNBA MVP who's never made an Olympic roster, the Olympics happen every four years. Team USA doesn't technically pop up every four years. So has she ever played for a FIBA World Cup for the U.S.? Has she ever scrimmaged with the U.S.? I'm not saying just one single time, but I'm saying, like, has she ever practiced with the U.S.? Like, consistently? Has she ever been on the select team? Has she ever been anything like that? Because if any of those answers are yes, I can kind of get the the decision. Why do you have the petition for a place that I have dual citizenship is a separate question. But I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be the fan favorite on this one. But uh, Selene, does she have anything on her uh, on her profile about Team USA? If we could figure out uh, what Neko Ogumike, um what Neko Ogumike's tie-in to USA Basketball, that would be kind of great to kind of figure that out. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know what the hell is going on with me today. So, while Salim looks that up, I'm not sure who I just frustrated with my with my take just now, in my opinion, but hopefully I didn't frustrate too many people. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's just an opinion, and, you know, it could go either way. Yeah, and I don't know if that's the last that we've heard of it. Um... Because I heard that it can be possible if the U.S. essentially releases her, right? I can't, I can't find anything. I'll, okay. I'll continue to look, but. Uh. So, essentially, like, it, it's similar to baseball in the sense that if she wants to play, if they're saying that, you know what I mean, she can't play because of her involvement. I think it might have been significant involvement with, uh, the, U- with the U.S. over the last 10 years. Okay, so. Let's see. In 2000. She was on the U18, U19 um, women's basketball team for the USA. I was going to ask, was she on the under 19? 2011 in the World University Games and then the 3 by 3 championship and the World Championship in 2012 in uh, Athens. That's significant involvement. Yes, but I mean... Not in almost like nine years. I yeah, like I c- I don't remember jack shit from nine years ago. <laughs> I mean, I remember. It's just like w- weren't we all in school nine years ago? It just can we like, say that? Ooh, nine years ago. Uh, well, and the sparks freshman year of high school, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's one of those things that it kind of makes you think, like, how much could she possibly know? But I guess it's one of those things if they talk so much about the competitive Wait, age. What year did you guys graduate from high school? Two thousand twelve. Nine years ago, 2016. So, for I thought for we were the same class or something. I don't know. Well, sure. Since yeah, you want to just do it, okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, kind of keeping with that, I don't know if you guys have anything else on neck, but you wanna, you wanna give me your your take. Um, Did you figure out how to word it yet? So I think this kind of goes back to no, I don't want to. Is it Shakari Richardson or Shakari? Shakari. Yeah. Um, I think the Olympics kind of just takes themselves too seriously. You know, I and I get it. Okay, I get it. It's you're def- you're playing for your nation. You're representing your country. I get it. 
that's that's big. And patriotism is a big, you know, kind of flawed also. But I mean, whatever. That's a topic for another time. But I, I don't know. I just feel like the Olympics and their rulings take themselves so fucking serious. You remind you of any other league that we got to do it or entity that we got to do it over here? I know Salim knows one. <laughs> Salim, just say it. Just say it. We're not even gonna mention it. We know. Okay. Uh, but yeah, man. I don't know. I just. We know what time it is. Taking themselves Stanley too talk. serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say take a stab at this one. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I don't think we've heard the last of it. I don't. Um, we'll see what happens. As I said before, I think it's similar to um, kind of draft rights in a way. Uh, that it is possible if she could play for Nigeria this year, but the U.S. would essentially have to release her. That would kind of be the idea behind it. They would kind of have to approve her going over to Nigeria. If I recall Ramona Shelburne's tweet correctly, it can't be undone. So what that means is if Neko Ogumake was to play for Nigeria today, she would never be eligible again for a Team USA national roster. Well, that makes that's the same thing in FIFA and soccer. Mm-hmm. That's how they do it is like, if you haven't been capped at the, uh, like in a tournament or like a real game, not like an exhibition, and there's a certain limit of games you can play, exhibition style games, before you just become like you can't move. I think it's the same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. I think because he played for the Dominican Republic, I don't, I don't know if he played there. I, I think he might have played for the, the under eighteen, like the mm. junior thing, and so that makes him ineligible to play. I'm pro- like I'm not 100 percent on that, but I remember that's something that's kind of similar to what we just went over. But I'm gonna I'm gonna look because I know a lot of people are like, yo, well, how come we can't like have like Pat on the U- Team USA? Someone's because it's someone's saying it's because he played for the Dominican Republic. But Somebody played, uh, <laughs> and you can readjust the mic too, however you need to. Oh yeah, you're good. Hold on, I'm trying to find exact. I, I heard somebody for whatever reason, and we won't, we don't have to get into all of these crazy takes, but I definitely like seeing like multiple people tweeting, not this year per se, but I think 2019 about Joel and B, and I was just like, maybe because he's not gonna play for us. He's from Cameroon. <laughs> Maybe you'll see him and Pascal Siakam next to each other before you'll see him and Kevin Durant. That's just that's just a guess. I could be wrong, but I that's what I think. Um, speaking of that as well, and I know we're talking so much about Team USA basketball. A fun fact for you guys: you guys already know one of my favorite NBA players to ever pick up a basketball was Nigerian and never played for the Nigerian national team, and that person is Hakeem Olajuwon. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. That stunned me because I know pretty – I'm not going to say everything. I know a lot, a lot. Like, pretty much it's kind of weird how much I know about Akeem Olajuwon, and I didn't know that. Interesting. Just a fun fact for you guys. Other than that, they announced the uh, cover – I'm going to say cover artist. The cover athletes for NBA 2K22. Did you guys see that today? Nah, I never played 2K. I mean, I played, like, some friends, but I've never owned the game. Never really cared for it? Yeah. So I guess we'll do a semi drum roll really quick. I know you're not the, ener- the energetic one, but I'll. For the first time ever, 
a WNBA athlete is on the cover of NBA 2K22. It's Candace Parker, guys. Hmm. That's cool. I smiled from ear to ear when I saw the, the, the news break. I believe that Luca is the cover for next gen. Uh, for the next gen, is he current crying? gen crossover, I believe. What? Is he crying to the ref on the <laughs> picture? No, he's not, sir. And on the 75th anniversary, uh, on the 75th anniversary um, cover, you have Dirk Nowitzki in the middle. On the right, you have Kevin Durant. And on the left of Dirk, you have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So those are your three covers for you to choose from. I'm not going to hold you guys. That Candace Parker one is, is a piece of history. If you guys care about gaming history, that is a piece of history. So I would suggest paying attention to that. This is not I'm an endorsement, so it. I'm not going to tell you to go do it. I'm looking at this really awesome photo. Do you guys have your emails for Talk That Talk on your phone? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Give me a sec. I don't know what this is and why he's doing it. Is no, it no, it's a really cool photo. Is it Ray Lewis in court? <laughs> Y'all have got to stop doing callbacks to that. Y'all have got to stop doing callbacks. Um, Maybe I have to go back to the bathroom. It's the worst. I have been and as a matter of, of fact, tonight. actually, now that I think about it, we do have one more, and I'm happy that it kind of went this way. We do have one more topic, and it does pertain to kind of everything that we're talking about, going from Neko Ogumake to Candace Parker to Becky Hammond now. Um, <laughs> uh, damn. I was trying to – I thought I knew where to go with this, and at this point I don't, so I'm about to just open the floor – um, I didn't think with all the coaches op coaching openings that we had, we even said before, I think I was definitely one of the ones that said it, that said Becky Hamm is going to get a job. And as I said before, unless she's been told something else behind the scenes, why is Becky Hamm not getting a job? I think she's holding out for the Spurs job. Like, I, I really do. Yeah, I think that's what it is at this point. That was my original argument before, but the only way that I think that that's happened already, and I, from everybody that I've kind of interacted with, and from the handful of times that I've interacted with them, I shouldn't say handful, but um, Coach Pop, I believe that if that's the case, he's already told her something. Oh, for sure. He's... Yeah, like either he's just gonna step up into like an advisory role or something, or retire. Uh oh. So, I have, I guess, a question rather. Coach Pop is seventy-two. That's cool. Please check your emails, guys. So I have two questions. This well, two scenarios rather. I should say two scenarios, rather, where is it possible that Coach Pop could retire after this Olympic run? And then my only other guess is Coach until 75. Mm, I don't think – well, actually, I think it's it's in the realm of possibility. Um, I'm actually aiming toward next season, toward the end of next season, I think will be his last um, – but I don't think he's going to have a retirement tour because, one, that's not who he is. Two, if we saw how Tim Duncan's last season went out where he just 
everyone kind of had a feeling, you know, it might have been his last. And then toward the end, like literally after the last game, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna retire. And so I, it wouldn't like, surprise me to see Pop do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause they don't want this. Like, that's not who. That's not who they are. They don't want. This. It wasn't like Kobe. Remember, like right. Kobe's retirement tour. Like, it, it it wasn't like that at all. They're like, they they got their flowers behind the scenes. They don't need it out. And I think that that could be the case. And because we don't even hear too much coming from Becky Hammond. Well, not that we would, but too much going uh, on in the media about Becky Hammond. That could be one of two things. Either. This it, this murmuring is, is a little louder than a whisper, and most people expect it to happen soon. Or us as media have, have dropped the ball. So let's talk about it really quick if that's, the, if that's the case. And let's say that Coach Pop hasn't talked to her about something. Hasn't or has? Hasn't. Hasn't. I was very open with Salim, and I told him that I've, the Pacers, I was to the point to where I tires are stuck in the mud. I'm not really sure what we're doing. And then we got Rick Carlisle, and I said, all right, I think they got me back. I think <laughs> they did it. I think they did it. And so, did you see the, the trade offer? For Malcolm Brogdon in the first-round yeah. pick for Ben Simmons? I would have cried. I think I texted you guys immediately and said, I do not want Ben Simmons. Yeah, you did actually. Yeah, you did text us. Mm-hmm. I stand by my statement. I don't yeah, know I don't, how don't that like helps that. Indiana. Exactly. I don't like that deal either. Is Miles Turner still there? So it's a weird deal your, for both Your big teams. three. Is, well, Karis LeVert is still there, I guess I will say. But even – honestly, no. I don't want – no. It's a weird deal for both teams. I mean, not for, for Philly. Philly. Philly, it makes sense. Not for I Philly. Eh. I mean, they could do better. Not for Philly. Argument, he shot 30% is that, for three the past year. I Not this – like – it's not like you're getting like a knockdown marksman. You're getting somebody that shoots the ball. Yeah, you're I mean that's cool and all, but he's also like. A you're much also worse getting somebody defender. that went fifty, forty, ninety with a dominant paint presence, and you're gonna have another. I one. I mean that's cool and all, but he's not that anymore. Because you you don't have okay. You're gonna make me shit on my own team, and I don't want to do this. M- my point is is that like Malcolm Brogdon's good, but he's not like Malcolm Brogdon was great. When he had a dominant paint presence, if he was to go to Philadelphia, he has a dominant paint presence. Demontis Sabonis, as good as he is, is not a dominant paint presence. Miles Turner stands at the three-point line, and then block shots on the other end. For whatever it's worth, he's, he's literally a three and D center, which is like the craziest thing in the world to me. Mm. But um, I, I told Salim I didn't want Becky Hammond, and it's no disrespect to Becky Hammond because she's an amazing coach. I don't think that Indiana would have gave her the chance to build the roster. You know what I mean? I, I think she would have probably had to come in and make some changes and things of that nature. And I don't know if, as I said before, what's the ceiling in Indiana? I don't know for Becky Hammond. I mentioned um, – what was the other one that we had? So let me t- we mentioned four teams. Um, because the two that I said I really liked her going to, and I was trying to hold off, but let's just get to it, was your Pelicans. And I mentioned that during the season. I mentioned that last year when Stan Van Gundy got hired. And I also mentioned it with uh, – it was Portland. It was Portland. I don't know what the ceiling is in Portland, and I don't know what the ceiling is in Indiana. But I loved her going to New Orleans, and I loved her going to Dallas. None of those things are happening. Being a Pelican fan, how did you how did you feel about the possibility of a Becky Hammond? Did you want her? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean – I've 
I think the, over the last year, I've learned like the hard way that you know I don't know jack shit about what qualifies a good coach, you know. And so I, got, I was like, oh, dude, I love Stan Van Gundy, man. I think he's gonna be a great hire. And I think he kind of got the short end of the stick. I think Ingram kind of, and some other uh, some other Pelicans. I don't know Zion necessarily, but I know for sure Ingram and um, some of the other, you know, like I said, Pels kind of just gave up on him. We're like, all right, dude, you're just fucking grilling us every day and what are we doing here so i think ingram's <laughs> like i'm not playing defense like I don't, give, I don't give a fuck i truthfully think that like those two butted heads a lot but um so i don't know i mean i i actually after stan van gunny was fired um i really wanted us to promote from within and hire either fred vinson or Teresa witherspoon um i was actually pushing real hard for teaspoon because she's like Again, see, that's the thing. I don't know. I can't say if a coach is qualified. So I can't say that about Becky Hammond either. But new blood, I think that's a big thing. No more retread hires for the Pelicans. That's why, or I, I don't know if you guys saw, we're probably, we're leaning on, um, or we're closing in on Willie Green. He's an assistant coach for the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Played for the uh, Willie Hornets. Green. Yeah. yeah. Where we're going there. CP3 mentioned that that, that was a, a big reason of why he went there. In a long, long time. CP3, Willie Green, teammates in New Orleans, teammates in, uh, with the Clippers as well, and now reunited again with the Phoenix Suns with Willie Green as assistant coaching. Um, does that change anything for you guys? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I like again. Uh, I don't. I can't judge the coach, um, but I, I like it. It's uh, it's not a retread. I really like that he also bring in Sam Mitchell, former interim coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, Westchester High School product. I saw this clip of Mitchell um, grilling like this, like either like an AAU team with a bunch of superstars. I don't know. Zion was (laughs) on it. And Mitchell was just grilling them like, the NBA don't give a fuck about your number one. You're the number one player. I don't give a fuck. When I coach for the T-Wolves, I sent it. You know how many number one players I sent home during training camp because they showed up? And so just like I was watching Zion in that, just take it all in. I'm like, yeah, that guy. We need him too. Willie Green, bring him on. And I guess they're clo- I think they're close too. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'm excited. Um, getting a new coach is always exciting, right? No, no, no. I uh, know that's true. I went through an entire why. <laughs> what were you about to say? No, because uh, Dallas with Jason Kidd, I would have like fucking cut my toes off if, <laughs> like. No, you see, you're talking about something that we haven't seen yet. We just watched. I don't even. And for what it's worth, no disrespect to him, but I believe I'm saying the name right. I went through an entire season as a Pacer fan and wasn't 100% sure how to say my coach's name because I knew he wouldn't be here this year. Nate Bjorken. I think it's Nate Bjorken. Bjorken. And I I just just never took the time to do too much research because I was like, not going to be here next year. I will never forget the Woj report when he was fired. And the very last sentence of his tweet was, (laughs) in one season, Bjorken managed to lose the players in the front office. That shit had me down. I was like, bro, what was this guy doing? <laughs> Literally, in one season, Yorkin managed to lose the players and the front office. I was like, bro, what the hell? If I recall correctly, uh, <laughs> Giga Batazde, um, yeah, had a, a very visible spat <laughs> with Nate Bjorkin. Oh, that my. Did you guys read that? Bleacher Report piece on him? Nate? No. Oh, you got to read it. Tell me what it's about first. You brought it up. It's about his uh, coaching uh, style. And that, how that's uh, the word players, you know? players felt about him. <laughs> hmm. 
That may be a real interesting read. I would read it. It was very entertaining to me. And well, let's how, talk about that two. man. Uh, yeah, how he got it. Yeah, never mind. Let's talk about two coaches right now that, uh, for lack of a better term, on social media and kind of everywhere else, aside from the basketball world, they're on two different spe- sides of the spectrum. One coach is getting all the love, and the other one isn't getting very much. But the one that's not getting very much is headed back to Phoenix with a 2-2 tie after Milwaukee went ahead and took care of business tonight against Phoenix. Sam Gordon was on the show last week, and we talked about it. And uh, we, uh, we, we talked about the idea of going back to Phoenix down – or going back to Phoenix uh, tied at two. And – we talked about how, how great Phoenix looked in the first two games, how bad everybody was talking about um, Mike Budenhoser, and all of these different things, only for me and Sam to say the exact same thing in the exact same moment. All Phoenix did was win their home game. All they did was what they were supposed to do. I think it's even more troublesome for me that Devin Booker was held to 10 points in game three. Had 17, I believe, early in the third quarter um, of this one. We have we have a series on our hand, fellas. And game two, I mean, Phoenix shot like 50% from three or something, like some of it, like 20 of 43 from downtown. And like they only won by like, what was it, like seven or eight? And so that was, I mean, everyone, yeah, everyone at the time was like, oh, there's classic bootenholes or, you know, shit like that. But it's like, I mean, y'all just shot the lights out from three and kind of escaped. Not, It wasn't like a convincing win, right? Right. And, like, Giannis still got his, and he's going to still keep getting his. Eventually, Chris and Drew are going to get it together. And, and well, tonight, the only person on the Suns that came to play, I mean, book. was Book. I mean, the rest of them, that was... You want to give me DeAndre Aiden's moment? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I saw six points and stopped reading. Yeah, I got to check again, but it was like six points. He shot badly. Drew had Chris Paul's ass in hell. Yeah, Drew had a terrible offensive game, but... Was it four for 17 at one point? But defensively, yeah, he he had uh, he had Chris Paul in, uh, in, in the penitentiary. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, too. I think Drew... and it's, I guess sometimes you just don't have it. But Drew Holiday is one of those players to where he can get almost to Andre Iguodala ish. He's going to, if he doesn't have it going on offense, he can get it going on offense through his defense. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, with that, it's similar to Andre Iguodala, like I said before. The one thing that's going to be a consistent, regardless, is the defense. Yeah, man. Tonight, Except against Trey Young. Tonight, Chris. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Chris Paul, man, I don't know. Talk to me. Oh, okay, well, I'll give you – start with Aiden's line. I mean, good. He had 17 boards and three blocks. The bad, he had six points and went three for nine shooting. Yeah. Somebody say something. Chris Paul f- went five for 13 with 10 points, seven assists, and uh, four rebounds. He had five turnovers. Two of those turnovers were late. Yeah. Last minute. Big time turnovers. The only other player on Booker had 42 on 17 of 28 shooting. He was unbelievable. The only other player on Phoenix that scored 
more than 10 points was Jay Crowder, who had 15 points on three of 10 shooting. Yeah, you got. I feel like you got to get him out of his other line. Giannis smacked the shit out of him a few times. <laughs> that's the cover right there. Oh, that's beautiful. That's dope. Um, Love the color design. Exactly. The yellow to blue. That's dope. It's the Chicago sky colors. I actually kind of care about this series now. I'm not going to lie. After the first two It's games, so hard to do it when, when a team is up 2-0. It's so hard to still care. Not only that, like, I don't know, man. Like, I think Giannis having those dominant games kept me in it. And, like, seeing his passion and energy, I was like. I, if he played bad, if he played or at least, like, you could tell he was hurt, I would have been totally out. Oh, yeah, same. Like, I'd have been like, all, right, well, all the injuries this, this postseason have really taken a lot of the fun out for me. Speaking of injuries, uh, news broke. Kind of something that both of you guys were saying. Salim was really extremely vocal about it if you listen to this show. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. You, you said that you... He wasn't coming back. Yeah, you said early he wasn't coming I back. I think the only reason they were like they were doing it like... Couldn't say it for the other team. They just didn't want the other team to... Absolutely. That was the only reason. They knew he was never coming back. Yeah, so reason being, partially towards uh, ACL. However, here's the part that I want to harp on because I haven't heard anybody talk about it. Um, shout out to Paul George because... He won those games in with his teammates. He won those games, though. He led the way in those wins against Utah in game five and six. Games five and six. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the part where I take the story back to Kawhi Leonard. That means Kawhi Leonard. We saw the play where Kawhi hurt his knee. Kawhi still won the Clippers that game with a partially torn ACL? That's nuts. Guy, uh, he was the best playoff performer this season up until he got hurt. Kawhi was putting up. He was up unbelievable. In, like, Especially in that Dallas series. Numbers. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't think you guys heard what I said. On a torn ACL, yeah. Unbelievable. Because now, like, <laughs> you just mentioned it. You could you could go back to certain moments for him this postseason and, and highlight certain things, but no, I went back when I when I heard that and I thought, what was the last game he played? And I sat there and I said, he did that with a partially no he didn't, and it just comes to show all of the reasons. Why, when Kawhi Leonard isn't playing, he kind of has that stale, well, he has a stale look anyway, but he kind of has that stale face almost as to, he always has it, as I said before, but it's like he never hears anything on the outside. If I knew that that's what he was playing with, if I'm sure if half the world knew that that's what he was playing with in that game, the conversation would be different even now about him. About Kawhi? Yes. And it's why I always laugh when people are like, well, you know, if a guy's out there, he's he's healthy enough. We shouldn't talk about his play. Like, no. It's not an excuse. It's just reality. If you're playing on a partially torn ACL, one would reasonably expect that you would play worse. That's not what he did. No. But in general, I mean, like with injuries, they affect people like, oh, well, you know, if they're out there, you know, they're good to go. It's like, no. 
Not the way that works. Not really. Yeah. You, oh, it's an excuse. It's reality. I mean, if reality is an excuse, then I, I don't. You can use reality as an excuse. Me and Sam just talked about it with the aces. But um, at the end of the day, I, I think you you just talked about it. Injuries are a part of the game. We're looking at Giannis dealing with them right now. I mean, Chris Paul was dealing with it earlier in uh, in the postseason. But Giannis continuing to put up 40-point games. But let, let's – do what we always continue to uh, – what we slip up and do, I should say, sometimes. Let's give some credit to Chris Middleton for just being Chris Middleton. Salim, can we go back to our conversation? He's having a better postseason. I still stand by my statement as far as what they were during the regular season. He's having a better postseason. I'll give you that. I still really like Drew. Yeah. That's my I'm When you say that you really like Drew, I don't like that because it's not like I don't really like Drew. But it's like, fam, for me, I, I think this is my only thing. When you have your superstar that defers at times, I, I just feel like for what it's worth, and I'm going to give you one scenario really quick, Steph Curry. Right. A lot of people felt like he was the best player on the team regardless they were wrong right you would do it assume that they were wrong but the moment that Steph deferred everybody was like oh okay kind of makes more sense Dwayne Wade in Miami oh he's the he's better right even if similar to KD we get LeBron is better physically or um yeah we get the LeBron is better physically but for some reason with this team and this player Stephen Golden State, Dwayne Wade in Miami, nah. We this is like this is God to us. Until Dwayne Wade let LeBron lead, all I'm telling you wait, 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 is undeniable. Hold on, just so I'm getting this clear. You don't think? Let me finish my point because I know where you're going. Okay. Not that Giannis isn't the best player on the team. Okay. Not that Giannis isn't the. In similar to what I just said in terms of uh, similarities, the God of this team. But I do think that it holds more weight when Giannis is all of those things and Giannis continues to defer to one person. Doesn't defer to anybody else, but he'll defer to Chris. And I think that means something. I mean, yeah, and scoring, absolutely. I'm just saying the game – you know, it's more than the narrative of deferring on off. Like, I mean, but I don't want to like. I know we get into this all the time too. But Drew Holiday just got there, and the thing that gets me too is like CJ said, first team all. CJ McCollum said first team all defense, but can't check KD. Before Drew Holiday got there, it was the same story. And Chris Middleton had to, to guard the best player. He was referring to Drew, right? No, he was talking to um Giannis, talking about Giannis. Chris, CJ CJ Mc, yeah, he, he should said not that about Giannis. He shouldn't be talking about anybody's defense. Fucking bomb. What? I didn't know about this. His his whole thing was just saying that you can't be like first team all defense and not check the best player on the other team. Well, newsflash, motherfucker. Um, yeah, no one's checking Kevin fucking Durant. Yeah, it doesn't really it's, matter. Uh, kind of doesn't matter because PJ Tucker did the best he could. Yeah. Um. Any anyway, CJ McCollum, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> what's wrong with Play CJ? Some fucking defense. <laughs> you're you're a clown. You're you're a big reason Your why. Your podcast sucks. Why you're you're a big. I'm reason like, what just happened? <laughs> I'm so tired of him, man. 
you're such a big reason why Dame had to go like because he was friends with you had to go like his the majority of his 20s without winning anything significant. Ouch. Man, get the hell out. Don't talk about play, man. Let's move on. And uh, I was trying to. Y'all did it. <laughs> um, I don't know what just happened. Um, but in all seriousness, um, I forgot where the hell we were that, that quickly. I'm I was sorry, getting honest, back to the final final point. I'm sorry, to Chris guy, Middleton. That guy irks me. But no, apologize. but back to what I was saying in terms of deferring to Chris Middleton, I just think similar to what LeBron said before as well too. When LeBron leaves here, in terms of LA, he's going. Which I say here because he'll probably leave basketball when he leaves LA. Um, he said that he was setting up AD to be the next king of LA. Whether or not, shut up. Whether or not it happens or not, it's going to come a point to where LeBron is going to only defer to AD. Big moments and all. We already seen it once. Once with the uh, – well, I'm not going to say only once. But we've seen it one particular time, the game winner against uh, Denver in the bubble. I was in the moment thinking, Brian got to get the ball, right? And – uh, for for me, I just think that that just kind of has a lot or says a lot about uh, Chris Middleton and the fact that Chris Middleton, by the way, guys, is the only player to ever go from G League to All-Star. The Mad Ants. And if you don't know anything about Chris Middleton, Tyler, let me ask you a quick question. Cause I'm Pistons. sure Salim, our fact check. Fuck. I'm sure our fact checker pretty much knows everything. I was going to ask you if Chris Middleton has spent his entire career with the Milwaukee Bucks. Drafted by Detroit. Drafted by Detroit tra- and traded after his rookie season. So, I, I just – I don't know. Is that a stupid tra- – I mean, yeah. They had hindsight's twenty twenty, but – Yes, they did. Even at the time, that was a stupid trade. Like, I remember at the time, like, smart writers – I'm happy you called Chris Middleton because I called Dinwiddie. What happened? I said I'm happy you called Chris Middleton because I wasn't paying attention then, but I called Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see Spencer Dinwiddie. I hope he gets healthy soon. We he's no fun. Spencer Dinwiddie will be healthy soon. Yeah, he, he's awesome. Um, Guys, I, but an- yeah, another thing for us to pinpoint really quick: Spencer Dinwiddie is going to go to another team this offseason and going to make them look really good. What happens if Spencer Dinwiddie goes to the Knicks? What if he goes to Boston? What if he goes to the Lakers? Ooh, the Lakers thing is interesting. Yeah. We just gave you three teams. Is he better? He doesn't play better defense than Josh Richardson. But is he better than Josh Richardson? Oh, I think, yeah. He's, he's what if he goes better. to Dallas? It'd be interesting. I mean, Spencer has – he's not a really good shooter, but he's good enough. Volume. Mm-hmm. He's good enough. I mean, I think the Lakers, he fits pretty well uh, just because – LeBron, any team when you're with LeBron, like you're the point, you could be the point guard, but like LeBron's kind of the point guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he averaged like 11 assists past uh, whatever. Um, I don't know, man. Dinwiddie, I think every free agent right now is linked to the Bulls and the Lakers. Like I see every li- literally every free agent is like the Bulls, and the Lakers. <laughs> if you're a point because guard, because the Bulls been, realize that they the can the do something. The Bulls can make a run. Yeah. The Bulls absolutely can make a run. Absolutely. It's, it just is kind of like I think they just see bo- Bulls fans arguing about whether they want to sign Lonzo or not. <laughs> Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine would be nice. I think it would be a good combo. Yeah. 
I mean, you do have Kobe White, so are you giving up on Kobe White right? Kobe White right now, or are you sending him to the bench? Or are you sending Lonzo to the bench? I mean, we've seen it in New Orleans. I think uh, Lonzo and, and Lonzo. Zach. If they pay Lonzo, he ain't coming off the bench. Well, I think it would work together as a starting tandem because Zach isn't as bad on defense as he was early in his career, but he's still not that good. But he has to take on a huge role. So I think – and Kobe is a six-man off the bench – Scoring energy, role. yeah, yeah. What he's especially going against backups, I think, I think that'd be nice. And and you know, Lonzo's been linked with the Bulls now for like ten months. Yeah, quite some time. Should ever set some trades for him. Yeah, we got about fifteen minutes left in the show. I think this is a good time to bring up something else that my dad brought up because it's his tip in, and I feel like it kind of goes in and coincides with uh, the petition that we were talking about earlier. My dad said, just when, <coughs> excuse me. Just when it started to look like everything was going against Hall of Fame horse trainer Bob Baffert, finally a ruling in his favor. Baffert's New York suspension was nullified by a federal judge today. I did see that news break as well. Brooklyn judge Carol Bagley. Oh, it's a hyphenated name. I thought you were going to Car- say uh, Carol Baskins. But I, I, I didn't know where this was going either. <laughs> so I'm, I'm reading it in the moment. Like My dad sends me his tip-ins nine times out of ten during the show. So, um... Brooklyn judge Carol, you almost made me say it, Carol Bagley Amon. I hope I'm not wrong with that, but Carol Bagley Amon ruled that the New York Racing Association acted unconstitutionally by failing to let Baffert accurately respond to claims made against him after conduct, excuse me, Kentucky Derby winner Medina uh, Spirit failed a post-race drug test. Baffert has vehemently, vehemently, say that three times fast. Vehemently. Yes, vehemently. Vehemently, vehemently, vehemently. I think I just did it. I don't know. That's a hard word to say. I don't, I don't like that word. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's much better when you see it like typed. Or yeah, yeah absolutely. Know. See it typed? No problem. I don't, I don't like it said out loud. It's like the word moist. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. I think we had this conversation before, and I think the word belly is really funny. I don't know why. I, I, don't li- I, I never liked that one. Belly? Yeah. It's belly. just weird to me. It's like... The bottom of my belly, like, bro, call it your stomach. Yeah, please. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, don't call it your belly. What are you gonna belly. call it? Your tummy now? Get the I, fuck out of my face! <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I'll take tummy before belly, bro. I'm not. I'm not doing the belly. Um, Baffert has vehemently uh, denied any wrongdoing and has claimed it's vehemently. a witch hunt. I said vehemently, right? No, no, no. I I realized how vehemently. Yeah. Which is anyway, um. Yeah, he's denied any wrongdoing and has claimed it's a witch hunt by those that don't like him, and he has eagerly promised to prove his innocence when the time comes. Innocence when the time comes. Judge Amon also ruled that after the Kentucky Derby, there was a rush to judgment, and Baffert was treated unfairly. She also agreed that the suspension violated the due process clause of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. I'm a big fan of the Silver Fox, and I'm eagerly awaiting for him to successfully defend his honor in court and prove that the success that he has had over his long, illustrious career is not a product of drug and horses, but it is the product of his uncanny ability to get the best out of his horses, as I have stated before. A saying that is going around the racetrack for many years is that Baffert doesn't send a horse out if it's not ready to win. It's a proven fact. And what? It's a proven fact. And in many cases, the I, I think my dad might have said the typo with this one. Oh, okay. It's a proven fact, and many in the racehorse business just can't stand it. 
Um, we briefly talked about it when, when when the news broke and after the Kentucky Derby, and I told you guys how much I'm into horse racing and how that's one of the things that kind of bonds me and my dad. Um, I kind of told you guys I was going to wait to pass judgment because I couldn't really wrap my mind around what that meant, not only for Bob Baffert, but what that meant for horse racing, if it was to be true. Um, as I said before, and as my dad kind of mentioned just now, I'm kind of just eager to see how it plays out. Uh, I'm going to still kind of refrain from saying too much. I'm not going to say that if he was drugging horses that it wasn't bad by no means, but what I am going to say is what I've said for the last year and a half. Santa Anita continues to lose horses. Now, these are horses that are running on a track and snapping limbs. And if you guys know anything about horses, and even some bigger dogs, a bad break of the limb means it doesn't heal. Which means that that animal usually gets put down. I could go on for a while about horse racing, but uh, that's beyond the scope of our show. Santa Anita still has its doors open. And if this is proven to be a witch hunt, that may be even worse for horse racing. To ignore the obvious elephant in the room and pay attention to the toy mouse. You guys got anything else? Anybody, anything? We're getting out of here 15 minutes early today, even though we still did give you guys a full two hours of the show, so I'm really, really happy with that. Um, We're going to have a brief meeting after this because I don't think any of us want to meet at 12 in the morning, but we're going to try to knock out what we can to bring you guys the best product of the show moving forward. Talk That Talk Media has a lot of changes coming forward. But until next time, guys, keep on talking.